Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Portions of the Oilers Now podcast are brought to you by ProAmSports.ca. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Back here on Oilers Now, 1234. Brendan Ulrich, Dave Campbell with you. Some guests on Oilers Now receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. A reminder that every Wednesday is date night at Roos Chris where two can dine for $120. We're going to get to our headliner today, Craig Simpson, in a second. But news breaking uh, prior to uh, our news break there that the Oilers have acquired forward Cooper Maruti from the Flyers for a third-round pick in uh, the 2019 draft. That was the pick that the Oilers acquired from the Devils in the Maroon trade. So they uh, bring aboard Maruti, who uh, was playing with uh, the University of Michigan last season. He uh, had 46 points, 14 goals in 37 games. Bob Stoffer had this to say about uh, the Oilers' new prospect. I had a chance to talk to uh one person internally in the organization and one externally in the organization. Uh, one person described him as a, a strong skater but not a burner. Um, and one individual said the exact same thing, good skater. Uh, the contrast was that the individual from outside the organization said, well, this guy is, is, is a grinder and a hard worker. Not sure there's a week offensive potential there, but there is some offensive potential. So there you have it, an interesting deal here from the Oilers. Um, I mean, a third-round pick has a lot of value uh, in you know today's NHL. That 2019 draft is uh, is supposed to be a is supposed to be a strong one. So it is interesting. The Oilers must like something in this kid. I'm not sure. I've never watched him play. Bob Stoffer saying he hasn't watched him play, and I'm sure our next guest uh, hasn't watched him either. But uh, Craig, an interesting deal here uh, from the Oilers. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'll be honest. I have not watched him play. Uh, you look at his stats, and at least you know he's got uh, uh, some pedigree, having scored 20 goals in the USHL, having uh, over a point per game. Uh, this year at Michigan. So the interesting thing that I, uh, I, you have to think is that, you know, you would expect uh, at least Peter Shirelli must have a good feeling that he's actually going to sign with them because that's a little bit of a risk that, uh, you know, he could play his senior year and then become a free agent August 15th of 2019. So, uh, my guess is that there's been some discussion. I don't think you'd make that deal unless you felt uh, that the player was uh, was going to be in a position to, to sign with you and not get away. Yeah, that's interesting. And uh, I guess he could, uh, you know, skip his last year at you know Michigan and then play in the AHL next season. So maybe uh, the Oilers yeah, find him they, some sort of role down there. Exactly, and that's you know again maybe they had a feeling that he was going to come out. Uh, he didn't want to go back for his last because in my interpretation, anyways, just reading the rules right now as we were going in, that uh, if he did leave early, they would maintain his rights until uh, June first of uh, 2019. So maybe they forced his hand if he was going to leave. 
to say now we have your rights, so come play with us. But clearly, uh, you know, as as we've been saying, there's uh, a need for this organization to to stockpile some assets and stockpile some prospects. And uh, you know, I've I've often said to Bob over the last couple of weeks that. You look at some of the teams, most notably, you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins, to me, come into mind how well they've mined the U.S. college system and been able to get some guys who have really filled gaps in their team. And when you're going to be a, uh, a cap team that has some pretty expensive players like the Penguins do and like the Oilers do now and will more so next year, I think it's going to be important to have a lot of those guys who are a little older uh, a little more mature, a little bit uh, further along the development curve, but are making, you know, that minimum or under a million dollars to fill in your roster. Yeah, I think you nailed it there. And I think, uh, you know, some of the, uh, to play devil's advocate, people opposed to a trade like this might be saying, hey, like, at the draft, you can likely trade a pick for a NHL player. I mean, New Jersey picked up Marcus Johansson for, I think it was a second and third, who's a pretty good player at the draft. But at the other side, that's a cap hit that, you know, the Oilers really can't afford yeah. to take on. So and that, that's the key player. You know, the, you, you have to have your GM's hat on with, uh, uh, with that cap in mind. And that, that will be the big challenge. And I, you know, I've heard lots of the fans' criticism of this year, meaning, in, you know, this is a year where you had McDavid on his entry level and you basically didn't get into the playoffs. And that's a, that's a big miss. So, yeah, you're, you're bang on there. There's a lot of deals that you'd say, Oh, I like that player. I'd love to have him in the mix. And I'd give up a second, a third, or even another. Uh, prospect in your organization but too often those players are at that you know four to six million dollar range and where are you going to fit them in yeah absolutely uh well the oilers will be looking for uh some help on the wings uh, likely in the off season craig uh how they get that done we'll have to wait and see maybe it's uh as bob was talking about earlier if they get uh Sveshnikov or zadina or someone like that in the draft who can maybe step in but you watch leon dry last night dominate and uh you know drive his own line you must be intrigued as an oiler fan with uh, maybe nugent hopkins and mcdavid together and then dry on that second line but then the uh the question is who do you play him with uh consistently next season yeah, and again, using the the Penguins as the model. I mean, not just because they're the two-time defending champs, but because they have that high-end, uh, you know, nine plus million, uh, eight point seven million for Crosby uh, at the top end of your pay scale. You, you really do need to find those guys who fit in, and so uh, I, I think that ultimately, I've I've often said, uh, understanding that. You know, the dry side on McDavid uh, playing together has worked well, and you can always go to that like the Penguins do at various times with uh, Malkin and, and Crosby. But when you're trying to build this organization going further, I, I don't think there's any question that you look at those two, and as they get into their prime in the next two to three, four years, you know, that's a pretty uh, daunting task to try to shut those two down if you've got lines that they can both drive. So, uh, you know, the Nugent Hopkins uh, on the wing, I know a lot of fans were clamoring for that uh, for a while. You know, although I, I think it, it makes sense, he's still, to me, not, you know, your bona fide sniper of a player. And so uh, I, I still think he's got to be on the table as a, a bargaining chip, an option to, to try to move if there's a, uh, somebody who comes available that would fit that bill. And, 
you know, when you're moving him, you've got a $6 million tag that you've got a lot more leeway to, to play with. Well, yeah, if they do move him, I think uh, it's a move they they can't lose. Like, if it's a one-for-one, one, they better be getting a, a really good yeah. winger back. So yeah, I'd be scared. Yeah, not giving him away yeah. just for the sake of money. And I think that's what he's proven, that, you know, he's a versatile player. Albeit, I, I still don't feel he's like, uh, you know, a dominant point uh, producer. Uh, so the the fact, though, if, if you can, you have to find somebody who can play a, uh, with, with McDavid and really be on a consistent plane. And uh, so I, I think part of that is having the smarts. Part of that is having the confidence to, you know, not be looking to throw away the puck all the time. But uh, I look down and say, you know, you're going to be at the draft with a lot of different options. Lord knows what the uh, lottery will do <laughs> for this team again. <laughs> and so I think there's a lot of people who would say, depending on where that lottery pick comes at, you, you know, your your first-round pick could be in play, too. So you, you do have the potential for some wheeling and dealing to try to instantly make your team a little bit more experienced and a little bit better. I want to ask you, Craig, uh, what you think of the Leon Dreisaitl contract right now uh, based on this season and uh, where he can uh, take his game to moving forward? Because I know there has been some backlash uh you know, from some prominent uh, media guys around the league saying he shouldn't be making $8.5 million. But, yeah. like, when you look at it now, you look at the contracts that players like Matthews are going to sign in the future. Eichel just signed a huge deal. What yeah. do you think of the contract? Well, I, I think it's always one that you're, you're cautious to um, reward a guy for something that he hasn't done yet. And uh, I think his season last year was definitely one uh, that would reward him with the respect of being a top player and with the feeling that he's going to be able to be a consistent top player, I think, again, he's going to be an 80-point guy. Uh, he should be an 80-point guy pretty much every year. And so when you start extrapolating that over the next seven years, you, you could have tried to do, uh, uh, you know, a gap deal that, what would that number be though that number probably wouldn't have been any less than six plus million anyway so if he had a year albeit the team didn't do well but if he all of a sudden puts an 80 and a 90 point season together in that two-year gap what's the number going to be then and uh, you know you're all of a sudden buying more years of free agency so i think it's a bit risky but you have to have some faith in the in the player and say, I think he's going to be a great player for a long time. And I look and say, if I'm putting my team together, now at least you know what the cost is going to be for seven years to have that Crosby-Malkin uh, duo together. Basically, that's that's what you've been able to cr uh, create here with those two players. And, uh, you know, at least it's a little bit more expensive than those guys are, but if you were trying to put together today a 21-year-old uh, Crosby and a 22-year-old Malkin, how much would that have cost? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, that's, I think the certainty at least allows you now to be a general manager fitting in the cap spaces where you need. Want to ask you about Yessi uh, Poliarvi as well, Craig. Um, 56 games this season, 12 goals, so close to a 20-goal scorer in a full season as a 19-year-old. I mean, it's been an up and down for him. Yeah. I don't know what you think of the way McMullen has handled him. Clearly, he's not getting a lot of ice time. Uh, 
They're not uh, giving young players... Well, they have in the past, you know, just handed uh, the keys to the city to young players and said, okay, run with it. They're they're clearly trying to develop Poliarvi a little bit differently. He's not getting first-line power play time. He only had 12 minutes last night, but a really strong game. So what do you think of the way he's being handled? And, uh, I mean, he's only 19, so there still yeah. is a lot of potential here, clearly. I, I, I don't... Uh, I'm not worried about the way he's being handled. I, I think... And I think I've alluded to this before, and not to be negative on a young kid, uh, I just think he's got the growing up he needs to do to learn how to be a real pro every day. And I don't think he's at that level yet. I'm not saying that he's a lazy player, but I I would say that part of the teaching and development for him is to keep the chain pretty tight around the neck and the, the leash pretty short because... He hasn't shown that, okay, I get it, and i got to work harder on this. i got to be in the gym more. I've got to you know, do extra after to, to get my level of play, to keep improving every day, to get my foot speed a little faster, to be a little bit harder on the puck every time. And I think that's where you're seeing you know, not letting the leash go and give him gratuitous minutes just because he is a prospect and a young guy. I think they're really trying to instill the the fire in there and the understanding of how much harder you have to learn to play. And so I think this is a good development year for him. He hasn't been, you know, let free to run, but he's been given more of a leash than obviously the year before. And I think that uh, the fact that he's had some success, so he gets a feel of what the, what it's like to score and how you got to play to be successful. But I would expect a lot of growth and a lot of growing up over the summer to say, okay, now I, I realize what it's like to be an NHLer, and I realize if I'm going to be an everyday guy, and, you know, I said this to Bob last week, uh, I go, if I'm a young player and I see the top two centers are McDavid and Dreisaitl, I go, I got a chance to be a great player, and I got a chance to have real success in this league, so I better do everything I can to, to ensure that, you know, I come to camp next year and they're not going to be able to take me off one of those two lots. And, you know, I think that's where you hope that his maturity level grows to. Yeah, absolutely. And I was hinting at that with Bob before. I was saying, okay, they bring in a veteran winger to maybe play with Drysaddle, and they say, okay, Paul, the RV, earn it next season. And if he does, yeah. then okay, that'd be pretty good. Well, he'd be a guy that, you know, in the off season, I'd be working on every day. And yeah. just saying my exit meeting with him, would not be a, a warm and fuzzy friendly one it would be a you know challenging and and be a be a man to look at the opportunity you have uh to really set your career on fire and i'd be pretty darn excited if i was a 19 year old player uh given an opportunity next year to say go out and prove that you're the guy who's going to be you know yari curry uh, for the next uh uh, seven years after that. And I, that's pretty exciting if I was a young player, but it takes some maturity to understand what you have to do to, to make sure that that happens. Just before I let you go, Craig, let's uh, hit on uh, the hot topic in the NHL right now, goaltender interference. There has been a change uh, pending approval, I guess, from the players, but... A retired referee will join the situation room for goaltender interference reviews. The final decision will be made uh, by the hockey operations people. So uh, it's out of the hands of the referee uh, with the tablet. It's uh, now in the hands of the situation room. Yeah. Will this solve the problem? Well, I don't think it'll ever solve the problem. I, I think the there's a problem inherent in, in any, you know, slow it down, slow motion, stop, analyze, overanalyze. I, I think you're always going to have 
somebody being upset with a call, and there's going to be calls that uh, don't necessarily agree with what the, the general people and, and even the players and themselves will agree with. But uh, Jim Houston and I had a talk with Bill McCurry, I think two Saturdays ago, about this very issue, and Bill was sort of uh, stoking the fires with us and asking what we felt about having a, a, you know, whether Bill ends up being the guy, my guess is he's going to be one of the guys. Um, but if nothing else, I, I agree with at least a referee who has been in that situation before and knows how they look at the game and how they react to the flow of the game uh, and how the game has been, uh, you know, refereed to that point. Uh, but they're not in the moment, both physically, emotionally invested, you know, it's really hard for, a, for an official to basically overrule himself, uh, a guy who's on the ice. And I think that's part of the debate that we've been in. You've got 36 different officials that, you know, on a given night, you, you might, over the course of two weeks, have 12 different guys who are making that decision, and they're the ones that call to the goal and now have to go against their own judgment. So... Uh, if nothing else, to have some consistency with a guy who's been in that role before, I, I think is probably about as good as you're going to get from a uh, from a compromise. Yeah, I like it, but we'll see what happens in the playoffs. Because <laughs> well, I, you know, there's going to be an issue. And for yeah. us, even doing the games, you know, you always have your own opinion. That doesn't necessarily mean your own opinion is going to be the call that's made, but it's become even more difficult. You try to make an opinion and a call that you think is going to be right. And boy, there's been a couple in the last three weeks that I've done anyways, where I still can't believe the call was made. So uh, really interesting to see how it'll play out through the playoffs. And hopefully it doesn't cost the team, you know, a critical time. Where are you at this week, Craig? I'm uh, back in Toronto. I got the, the red hot Detroit Red Wings. Uh, that sarcastically. Uh, and the and the Maple Leafs. They won last night. I know they've got two wins in their last yeah. twelve. Maybe, okay, so. Larkin uh, played good last night. I know that. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Craig. Talk to All you right. again soon. Have a good day. Craig Simpson, lead analyst for Hockey Night in Canada, gearing up for the playoffs, and uh, we'll see what happens with uh, the dreaded goaltender interference reviews come playoff time. Step in the right direction, I think. We'll talk more about that with uh, Dan Rosen. He is uh, in Florida right now for the GM meetings at 105. We'll take a time out, though, on Oilers Now. We'll get to uh, some of your text messages when we get back. When you want to fly your Oilers colors with fan gear or outfit your fan cave, there's only one place. ProAmSports.ca. Jerseys, apparel, headwear, and memorabilia from your favorite players and teams. Whether it's the NHL, the CFL, the NFL, MLB, or more, ProAm Sports are your fan cave specialists. And if it comes with a ProAm Sports certificate of authenticity and hologram, you know it's 100% authentic, hand signed memorabilia. So no matter who you cheer for, ProAm Sports has got your guy. Visit their Edmonton showroom on St. Albert Trail. Fill your fan cave at ProAmSports.ca That's ProAmSports.ca This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. Back here on Oilers Now, Ulrich and Campbell with you. The news of the day from an Oilers standpoint. They've made a trade. Cooper Maroody 
acquired from Philadelphia for a third-round pick in 2019. The pick the Oilers acquired from the Devils for Patrick Maroon. Maruti in uh, 37 games this season with the University of Michigan, 46 points. Texter saying, ABU, interesting fact. Cooper Maruti plays on the same team as draft-eligible Quinn Hughes. Maybe the Oilers are looking at drafting Hughes in the first round, too. Yes, uh, that is uh, interesting. I'm sure the Oilers were out scouting Hughes, and maybe that's how they uh, noticed uh, Cooper in the first place. I mean, Hughes is going to be a top-ten pick in the draft, most likely. So... I'm assuming that the Oilers are out scouting all the top 15 or 16 guys in the draft because they will have a lottery pick, and uh, we'll see uh, where they end up picking. But, yeah, I don't know if Hughes is their top uh, priority right now. He is a left-shot defenseman. The Oilers do have Nurse on the left side, of course, and Clefbaum. But if they land to Hughes, maybe then you trade a guy like Clefbaum for a right-shot guy. Certain dominoes start to fall. But right now I'd be gunning for one of those uh, wingers. If the others could land <laughs> Shveshnikov or Zadina, that would be uh, perfect right now, or of course Stalin. But uh, that uh, it all depends on where they pick. So I'm sure they're out scouting a guy like Hughes, though, because if they pick in that 7-10 to 10 range, he would be uh, under consideration. You can text us 630-630. JB says, let's just hope it doesn't take 70 games next year for Leon to start driving lines on his own and criticize wingers he gets where he gets to ride shotgun with McDavid all season. Seems a little bit odd. He's a point-per-game player. Like, what do people want from Drysaddle at the age of 22? Yes, there uh, were some struggles early in the season. And uh, I know he struggled on power play as well. If he, you know, was on pace where he did on the power play last season, he's likely close to an 85, 90-point player this season. So, I mean, the concussion issue at the start of the year obviously was an issue as well. I mean, we don't know what he was dealing with. It's always tough for players to overcome things like that, and different players handle it differently. So, took him some time, but... If we uh, look at what we saw last night with Drysaddle moving forward, that is very, very encouraging because, wow, when he plays like that, he looked like the best player in the league last night. Like, it was ridiculous. So, you you can't ask him to play like that every game, but I think uh, good times are ahead for Leon Drysaddle. More of what we saw last night and uh, in the playoffs last year against Anaheim in the future for dry settles. 12.59 at Edmonton. We'll take a time out for the 1 o'clock news. When we come back, we'll chat with uh, Dan Rosen from NHL.com live from the NHL GM meetings.